Welcome to your Thursday edition of Strip Sports Daily Delivery. I am Michael Rand. A lot to get to today. Right off the bat, let's jump right into what did you miss? Carl Anthony Towns returns for the Timberwolves uh, in Wednesday's game, a loss to the Clippers. 119 to 112 is your final score. The Wolves look really good in the first half. Town scores 18 points, but they kind of run out of gas in the second half and end up losing that game. Far more important than that, though, is Town's recovery from COVID-19. I don't want to just gloss over, you know, Towns is back. Now let's talk about basketball. We're going to get to that in a little bit with my first guest, Bobby Marks, uh, ESPN front office insider. We'll talk a whole lot about, you know, what the where the Wolves go from here, kind of what what their trade prospects are, what this roster looks like. But before we before we spin too far forward, we got to remember, like Carl Anthony Towns missed almost a month here, and and there's a good reason for that. He talked after the game about how serious this was for him, not only having had several family members, including his mother, pass away from COVID, uh, but because of the bout he had himself, uh, sounds like it was it was pretty bad. I've been here six years, and every single time it became a decision of doing what's best for me and what's best for the team and this organization. I've always picked this team and this organization, and at one point, I got to start thinking for myself and taking care of myself. And obviously, getting COVID uh, stopped everything in its tracks and uh, left me with a decision. And I picked, you know, my family. Um, you know, this is something. You know, I'm a high risk case. Um, COVID did not treat me well whatsoever. Um, a lot of scary nights. Um, my dad calling me twenty four seven. Um, and this is another high profile athlete, was right on top of Marco Rossi, the wild prospect. You know, being shut down for several weeks because of complications from COVID. So hopefully Towns is able to put all of this both mentally and physically behind him as the year goes on. I don't think it will be immediate um, by any stretch of the imagination. But let's remember, this is a player who, you know, didn't have a lot of on-court adversity early in his career, at least in terms of injury. There's there's wins and losses problems early on when they were losing a whole bunch of games. But this is a guy who played all 82 games his first three seasons in the league, played 77 his next year. Really only last season was when, you know, he started missing time and, you know, having to having to work back from those things. So let, let's see how this goes for him. Hopefully he can put this all behind him and, you know, mentally and physically become the person and player he wants to be on the court. I'm Nyla Jean Myers, Senior Assistant Sports Editor at the Star Tribune. Thank you for listening to Strip Sports Daily Delivery. This work is made possible by our Star Tribune subscribers. For unlimited access to the articles mentioned in this podcast and our coverage of Minnesota sports from pros to preps, go to startribune.com slash subscribe. Very happy right now to bring in Bobby Marks, front office insider at ESPN to help us kind of understand the landscape of the NBA. Um, trade deadline is next month and some new players just became eligible to be traded a few days ago. Also want to talk a lot of Timberwolves with Bobby because that is the market we are in. Bobby, how are you doing? And welcome to the show. I'm good. Doing great. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I know this is maybe more of a deadline marker, but the players who signed free agent contracts in the off season are now eligible to be traded as of, I believe, Saturday. Does that does that change? How does that influence the market and the, the possible trade market as we as we think about you know moving ahead towards the the deadline in late March? 
Yeah, um, there were, as you said, there were 90 players that now are trade eligible. Um, there's a little bit of a, a wrinkle where some players, um, I think there's about 20 that signed free agent contracts still have a March 3rd restriction in their contract. Um, guys in, in Minnesota, Malik Beasley and Juancho Heron and Gomez, because their contract was 120% more from the previous year. So they have a little bit of a later trade restriction date there. Um, so we did open up the field. I think there's 93% of players that are trade eligible. The interesting thing with the, um, the February 6th date, which is in normal years is December 15th, right. was that there's never been a trade on that date. <laughs> and <laughs> and we, kept it, well, we kept it going <laughs> on Saturday where there wasn't a trade. I just, it just opens up. I mean, teams are talking. It just kind of opens up the playing field where if something made sense, um, you know, teams now have the flexibility to do it. You know, the, the Derek Rose trade that we saw on Sunday to New York for um, Dennis Smith Jr. in a second round pick, neither player had a restriction. You know, that yeah. trade could have been made two weeks ago or three weeks ago, but both felt that the timing was kind of right to do it. Shocking that uh, Thibodeau would go get Derek Rose. I, I never would have imagined that. <laughs> yeah, and Derek, it's going to be interesting. And I and I said it when the trade happened. I For Detroit, I just saw it as a, you know, there was no risk there. You know, when you get a second round pick and you, you have Dennis Smith, who you can basically use as an audition over the next four months. It's interesting as far as how New York uses Derek. Um, you know, the the flavor in New York is Emmanuel Quickly, who's played, you know, well for a rookie, has been had some ups and downs. And as they've had some good moments from Alec Burks, um, Alfred Payton to start, and how does Rose kind of fit in there and, and you know, not really steal away, um, you know, Quickly's minutes. But, yeah, he gives you a – he gives you that ins- uh, that safety blanket, I guess, uh, insurance policy that you know Tibbs has had him in Chicago, Minnesota, yeah, and now in uh, and now in New York. How what do you think of this market? As we, <clears throat> you know, it's probably about six seven weeks till the deadline. Is this going to be? I think it'll be a lot of active teams. Is are people kind of in wait and see mode? Have we already seen some of the biggest trades? Since you know, obviously there was some some big ones that that materialized already. What what do you think of the 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 market this year? Well, I'll sum it up this way. I'm um, I'm about 90% in of my big trade guide that I put out every year um, that will come out probably sometime at the end of February. And it's this 12,000 word manuscript on everything. Always look and forward it, to it, that. And yeah. it was the most challenging one to write since I've been in the media in the last five years, just because, you know, I could write about Bradley Beal, but realistically Bradley Beal is not getting traded. So what I try to do is put myself in the, the philosophy of why he's not going to get traded. And um, I think there'll be some trimming around the edges type trades. I and mean, we certainly saw the Rose trade. I think what, what hurts the trade market is that the playing game. Now we have teams that are in that nine and 10 rate, nine and 10 seed that you maybe in the past, they would be sellers, right? That now there's a realistic um, chance that maybe the, the Bulls are going to get the 10th seed and it's important for them to kind of keep that roster intact as far as a play-in um, for, the, for a play-in game. Maybe it's Memphis or some of these other teams. So I think that kind of throws a little bit of cold water over that. Um, as you said, most of the big trades has, have already happened with the Harden trade um, back in, in January. The other thing that hurts is and Brian Winhorse from ESPN wrote a great piece. You know, half the league has already traded, you know, half of the teams in the league have traded first round picks in different years. So yeah. you can't, you know, you can't trade first round picks in back-to-back years. You've had teams like the Clippers, the Lakers, the Bucks that are hard capped. 
meaning they can't exceed a certain amount to take back salary. You know, they're all three of those teams are pressed against it. So I think probably where we might see a little more activity is probably that buyout market when we, uh, we get post trade deadline and in, in, you know, end of March, early April, where maybe teams start to fall out of the contention a little bit and um, you know, teams can sign basically players for, for free without giving up anything. Almost exactly a year ago, as it were, uh, the Wolves, Timberwolves made a, a bunch of deals and Gerson Rosas, their president, has shown a willingness to do that. It was almost a year ago when they made the, the D'Angelo Russell trade, when they got Beasley and the, the Covington deal, um, and maybe I can't, one other minor deal in there as well, where they basically turned over half the roster in a week. Um, it's, it's been a very weird year since then. That's an understatement. But as as you see it, What's the plan in Minnesota right now from, from your perspective and, and how is, how is that vision taking shape in the, in the limited amount of time we've been able to see it? Yeah. in in the Timberwolves and I, and I wrote them up in what I said about Minnesota and you're right regarding Gerson, as far as probably one of the more active general managers, head of basketball operations, you know, certainly coming from that Houston tree with, with Daryl Morey. And I think uh, Carl is the only player on that roster, right. As a holdover, from when he, um, when he came in, um, you know, a year and a half ago. And it's hard for me to evaluate even with a six and 18 record, what this roster looks like when your best player has played four games since February of 2020. Yeah, it, it really is. And, you know, certainly how the season ended and this year with, with Carl with injuries and now with COVID and how he fits into this group here, you know, especially when, you went out and spent 80 million plus on Malik and Wancho. You made them Rubio trade. You, you draft Anthony Edwards and Jane McDaniels here. As far as how does that all fit in, right? Are you a top four team in the Western conference? Probably not, but I don't think you're six and 18 and kind of sitting in the basement here and you've got a little more co- continuity here. So it is hard to, um, to evaluate um, on the other end um, besides your number one pick and probably besides Carl, you know, you have to listen to everything, everything that teams call, even if there's something a team is calling regarding your best player right now, which is Malik Beasley. You know, you have to, you have to listen to that. I think, I think what's hurt a little bit is certainly D'Angelo yeah. injuries, not playing at a high level that we saw probably in Brooklyn. Um, you know, he's playing not as a number two. I mean, I don't even know if he's playing as a number three right now that that's, that's hurt you in and out of the lineup here. So um, it's going to be interesting over the next, you know, six weeks here. I think one of the things, if, if you are Minnesota and you basically have to be exploring teams that or players on teams that have kind of falling out of favor, yeah. whether it be injuries, whether it be on a contract they don't want, whether it be that player, maybe it's just run its course. Right. So I'll give an example, Aaron Gordon in, in Orlando. Right. Aaron's been down. Aaron's only 25, but he's shoot. He's been down there. What? Seven years. He's had some injuries, inconsistencies. And it's almost like trading your inconsistencies for another team's inconsistency. And maybe it works better for you here. Uh, and I'm not saying that, you know, Aaron, that Orlando is going to move Aaron, but that's just kind of an, an example here, but that's kind of the deals that you are looking at, you know, as far as from your, from your perspective, especially that you owe Golden State that that number one, yeah. you know, you're not trading picks out with uh, with what's going on right now. They can't trade a pick till 2024, right? Just because right. of the way that one's structured, because it could convey yeah. in 2022. 
That's correct. So, so based on that, it sounds like, like if you, if you're waiting on, you know, even if we've said Gerson is is active, it feels like they're kind of in a waited out spot, but also that they can't just sit and be complacent when you when you're sitting in last place. So where does that? What do you think that leaves them ultimately? Well, I think you kind of you peel back and you look at. Um, besides what you drafted this year, where does, um, you know, Josh Okoji, Jared Kohler kind of fit in your timeline um, as far as, you know, with both, both, both players, two former picks, uh, Ricky Rubio, I don't, it's hard for me to see him kind of going anywhere, but that's kind of, you're looking at, you're looking at big picture as far as your draft prospects, as far as how do they fit? I think there's been some good moments, certainly for, you know, guys like Jalen Noel and Nas Reed. I think that's what happens when you have injuries, kind of teams, kind of um, players step up. I think the, the goal is, especially for a guy like Anthony, is where he was when this thing started and where he ends up in mid-May. Yeah. And has he taken a big enough step um, from a developmental standpoint, throw out the, the record there for on the court. I think that's, that is a primary focus, you know, for this team over three or four months, but you're right. Yeah. You, you, you know, you, you're in a holding pattern, but on the other end, you know, you're not going to kind of unplug your phone come March 25th yeah. and not take calls. Let's say it's March 26th. We're past the trade deadline. <clears throat> and I'm telling you the wolves have made one trade. Are you, would you are you most likely to believe that that was a kind of a small fringe deal, a medium sized deal, or a blockbuster? I think probably more of a fringe deal. I, I think maybe it's if you're clearing, you, you already have a roster spot. Maybe you're clearing another roster spot, give you a little more flexibility under the under the luxury tax, and maybe go out and sign two players towards the end of the year, similar to what Miami did with Ken, Kendrick Nunn and Duncan Robinson, and kind of take a flyer and see if you have an audition for those type of players and, you know, sign into one of these kind of longer type contracts here. It's hard for me to think that there's another blockbuster deal kind of up there, up their sleeve. I mean, last year we saw the 14, 12 player trade that <laughs> right. saw Minnesota at Beasley and, um, you know, and Heron and Gomas in that, uh, in that trade. Cat and D'Lo played four games, I think four or five games together. They've never, they've never played more than two games consecutively since the D'Lo trade a year ago. So we don't know yet if that will work. Do you think that pairing works? I, I do. I mean, but as you said, we need more of a body of work. You know, I think, um, you know, I, I've seen D'Angelo play in, in LA. I, I saw him take off in Brooklyn. I know when there's another guy on the court with him where he doesn't have to do everything mm-hmm. or, you know, 50% of the heavy lifting, as I say, then, with Carl, I think it will work here. Um, but the question is when, right? Like how long do you, how long are we waiting for as far as to see this pairing work? Because what's, what's going to happen is, is that pretty soon that, you know, D'Angelo Russell is going to be in, he'll have two years left on his contract. Yeah. And Carl, and then, too. you know, yeah. yeah. I mean, and then, you know, what happens, right? Yeah. I mean, oh, yeah. we know what happened. I mean, like I'm writing about Chicago and Zach Levine, who's, you know, kind of in the similar, you know, Zach's got two years left. You know, but and what do you what do you do? You, that's kind of like the the logic says. Well, shoot, if if we're on a rebuild or retool roster, and we're not going to make the playoffs. That's kind of when you op you take full advantage of that guy's trade value there and stuff. So, I I think you are in a little bit of a holding pattern. But the, I think the the clock has certainly started um, as far as with uh, with these two players. 
And that's interesting. I'm glad we kind of went there because I think the conventional wisdom with the Wolves this year was that they weren't going to be great, but I, I, I certainly think they expected to be better than they have been. And obviously the injury to Towns is, you know, fr- flashing light. That's number one in the, in the why, but you're right. You, you wanted to make a certain amount of progress this year and we haven't seen that yet. How is, how important is it for them to show some of that progress in the last 40, 50 games? And then how important then does next year become? It feels always, always has felt to me like next year was kind of the, the make or break year that you better be thinking you're going to going into that season, making the playoffs, or this just doesn't feel like it's going to work. Well, I always say that even if you're not going to make the playoffs, how do you put your players in a position to play meaningful minutes, right? Meaningful minutes, meaningful games. You're not just playing out the string. Is it playing against teams that are competing for a playoff spot um, where you have an an advantage to maybe knock them out? Um, I think what New York is kind of going through where, you know, they're going to probably, this group will probably play meaningful minutes you know, come April and May, they might not make the playoffs, but they're going to be in a position there. And I think that's going to be, that's the most important thing for, um, you know, for Minnesota, it is to put these players in a position and use that as, as a real evaluation. And, and hopefully by, you know, in the next couple of weeks, we get Carl back and we'll see what happens with this, the Angel injury, if, if they're able to kind of be on, on the court and you get a, you get a true evaluation of what this roster really looks like couple more things then we'll we'll finish up one any surprises in the in the positive direction on the wolves i think we've talked about some negative ones i don't think rubio has played very well at all i don't think the fit is great but who who has maybe jumped out at you and said boy that he was better than i thought he would be or i didn't really see him coming at all well i think the two guys i mentioned earlier the two and you know with with reed and noel as far as you just kind of it's like that next man ups you know philosophy here where they have an opportunity and they've kind of slid in there and they're on the two players are on great, great contracts. You know, Malik's played really well. I mean, there's no denying that how well he, he has. Um, I think there's been some good minutes from Jane McDaniels. I yeah, really I agree. do. And I, and it's hard because like I said, this with all the rookies here, you got drafted at the end mid November. You had no summer league. Yeah. You had no off season. These kids have not played really basketball since I guess March when COVID hit here and now you're basically just asking them to kind of come into a situation in a condensed training camp and to be under the, the, the you know, the spotlight here. I think there's been some really good uh, moments from him. I think Anthony has at times, um, you know, some good moments. I think we'll, we'll always focus on his field goal percentage or his fouls or, you know, but I think if you kind of watch the whole body of work on him, I think there's, there's a lot of good things that you can, you can pull up. So I think there are things as far as with your younger players that you are happy, you should be happy about. That naturally led me to my final thing. Anthony Edwards, um, been better lately. He's been in the starting lineup playing bigger minutes. The numbers have gone up. The efficiency has gone up, at least from where it was. Big picture, you know, they took him number one overall. Everybody had a lot of opinions about him. Where, where do you... Where do you see his career in five years? Does he make it in a big way? Is he not quite that guy? What do you think of him overall? Well, he'll always have the number one pick uh, label hung, hung over his head, right? Forever. That's kind of, that's the, 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 the cards that you're dealt. All the, you know, him, Wiseman and Ball will probably be compared to each other. Like, I don't know if we're at the Luca Trey Young stage, but that's <laughs> kind of where, that's just the nature of the beast. And I kind of label guys, uh, you know, from franchise, all-star, top starter. I think he could be a top starter in this league. 
Um, I don't know if he's got franchise and I'm, you know, Hey, he's only in year one franchise level making, but I don't know how many players in this draft did have franchise level, you know, talent here. So I think he could be a top starter, which means you're kind of your number three guy. Um, but I know people want to compare the three players and kind of give out grades and say, Minnesota should take Wiseman or they should take ball. And we can, we're looking at where Edwards is here, but I always say, let's just play this out. Let's play it out for the next, you know, three or four years and see where these players are. I mean, they're so young here and I want to see him go through if there's a, a type of summer league or a type of off season where, I mean, he could really, I mean, we've seen guys take off in, in year two here and, and there's going to be a learning curve here. I mean, we've already seen it already. Bobby, great stuff. Thanks for joining me here today on the Daily Delivery Podcast. Maybe we can do this again towards the deadline, especially if the Wolves shock you and shock the world and then make some kind of massive, <laughs> uh, massive move at the end of March. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Bet. Take care. Great chatting with Bobby Marks. Always love talking to him. I think he's right. I don't think there is a blockbuster in the Wolves' immediate future. I think they did a lot of that a year ago and now it's time to figure out what they have but man I'm not convinced right now that this path is going to be the right one I guess I'm more in the path now of waiting to be proved wrong than anything else so we'll see how the rest of this season plays out happy to be joined today by Jamal Mashburn Jr. Uh, freshman for the Gophers big game Thursday um, against uh, against Purdue Jamal how are you doing welcome to the show Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm doing well. How about you? Awesome. Um, you, this is not any fault of your own, but I grew up watching your dad play. So watching you play mm -hmm. makes me feel exceedingly old. I'm sure you hear that a lot. Um, <laughs> your dad, you know, I want to talk a little bit. Your dad played for Rick Pitino at Kentucky. You are his son, no doubt, uh, Jamal Mashburn Jr. And you're coached by Rick's son, Richard, at Minnesota. Do you and Richard Pitino talk about your fathers and those relationships much at all? Yeah, um, we've talked about it mainly um, just in the beginning of the year, um, just when we first got when I first got up here. Um, but we haven't talked about it much recently. I mean, I know they stay in contact, uh, him and my dad, and also Rick and my dad. Um, you know, I, I've heard from him a little bit. So it's just a nice connection that we all have. That's good. So how important were those relationships as you were considering what schools you wanted to go to and just, you know, kind of knowing that, you know, your dad could vouch for Richard's dad in some way. Yeah. I mean, it actually didn't play as big as a role as people think it is. Okay. And think that it does just because I had to just take that out of it and just realize that, you know, I have a bigger goal and an end goal for myself and, you know, whatever situation, you know, that may be, whether it would have been Minnesota or somebody somewhere else. Um, you know, I just had to take that part of it out. Um, it's a great, kind of coincidence and kind sure. of good story to tell, you know, <laughs> to my kids, you know, when I'm older, um, you know, but I had to just, you know, focus on myself and just do what, do what's best for myself. Obviously because of COVID, unfortunately your, your dad hasn't been able to watch you really in person during your freshman season. Nobody's really been able to watch anything. How, how difficult has that been? And how, how have you been able to stay in touch with him? Yeah, he's um, well, my dad's my best friend. So uh, we call each other every day. Um, whether it be through FaceTime or, you know, Skype or something like that. But we, we, we always figure out a way to communicate with each other. And uh, they'll actually, he'll actually be up here uh, the 19th. Uh, I think we play the 20th. We play Illinois. So he'll be up here. I'll be able, I'll be able to see him and everything. Oh, that's awesome. So, that first time I'll you see him there. for a while or? 
yeah, last time I saw him was in August when I uh, moved down here, uh, got my apartment set up and everything. So um, this will be the first time since then. So, yeah. Awesome. Well, looking forward to that. But like I said at the outset, big game Thursday against Purdue. You guys kind of started out on fire at Purdue a couple weeks back, but ended up losing, I think, by 19. What, you know, when, when you have a game like that, what's the mindset when you're going into a rematch, especially one, you know, kind of with some, some significant implications in the big picture? Yeah, I mean, we uh, we know what we got to get better on. And, um, you know, we know what we have to do as a team uh, to go on a run, especially in these dog days of January and February, <laughs> uh, getting close to tournament time. So, um, you know, we know what we have to do. We've been working hard in practice and, you know, you know, doing the little things uh, that, you know, we needed to get better on. So, yes, we just were focusing on that. That's kind of more of the morale and attitude of the team. This game is at home, of course, Williams Arena. That's been far friendlier to you guys this year. You haven't won yet on the road. Sorry to remind you. How tired are you both of that fact, period, and of hearing about it? Oh, to be honest, I'm very tired. Um, you know, I'm not really a person that likes losing at all, and especially on the road. Um, you know, but it happens to, um, you know, some teams and stuff like that. You know, just got to be able to push through and work through it. Um, because at the end of the day, adversity and, you know, trial and error only makes you better. So Yeah, absolutely. You've played 19 games this year all off the bench. You're getting about 17 minutes a game. How do you feel like your game has grown so far in college? And what do you feel like, you know, in these years and, you know, especially these next couple months that you have, what do you feel like you need to work on this freshman year and beyond? Yeah, I mean, I think I just, um, I've been able to grow. This, my IQ has been able to, expand um especially me being a point guard um you know becoming a point guard and stuff like that um so yeah just my overall iq um i just want to continue to get better as a shooter all around um and yeah just get better at everything i'm i'm, I'm a worker so everything's gonna get better and a lot of players are all about social media these days. I am. I'm on Twitter all the time, but I go on Twitter to your account and I see that you have tweeted exactly eight times in mm -hmm. the five years since you joined. How have you been able to stay away? How, how are you just you are you wired a little differently than than some of your teammates and some of the other, you know, folks in college right now? Yeah, I mean, I, I try to uh you know, social media is cool and everything, but um honestly it's 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 it could be a little bit of a distraction, you know. It it brings in a lot of uh, you know unnecessary things in your life and creates unnecessary thoughts in your head that maybe you can't control at the time, you know, just us being teenagers and, you know, being consumed with the things that we look at. So, I mean, I, I just try to stay away from it. And plus I, I do a lot of journaling and reading, so I don't really have the, the motive to really get on social media like that. So, man, you're like way more mature than me. What's the, what's the best thing you've read lately? The best thing I've read lately Percy Jackson and I forgot which I forgot which there's like a, there's like seven books for okay. that one but awesome. I, 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 that's, that was the last one I read I think it was like the fourth book okay I haven't yeah. let's finish this up this way since I'm you know I'm just getting to know you a little bit better what what's one thing about you that that you think would surprise people if they if you told them mm, one fact about me um well a lot of people when they see me on the court they think I'm like a very angry mean person <laughs> why why but do you think that like a lot of people <laughs> like a lot of people when they meet me they're shocked that i'm you know so like nice and and, and i guess you know bubbly and happy but you know, <laughs> i guess i guess i'm just hard to approach i guess but I, I'm, I'm i'm just a, i'm just a friendly guy i like to laugh joke kick it you know 
Just, so you feel like you you feel like your true nature is a little bit different than your exterior. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. Cool. Hey, Jamal. Best of best of luck in the uh, in the game on Thursday. And thank you so much for joining me here today on the podcast. I'll probably include you in the the Twitter promotion of this. So go ahead and make this your ninth tweet if you want to. Um, I got I, you. That'll, that'll be my ninth one. I got you. <laughs> I'm gonna hold him to it. I'm gonna go check out his Twitter today. I'm gonna make sure that he is having his ninth tweet. Um, he'll, he's got a long way to catch up to me, um, in the 80,000 range, I think. Um, so a long way to go there, but I'm going to make sure that Jamal Mashburn Jr. Uh, manages to tweet, uh, today. Let's finish up with the cooler. Nelson Cruz had his uh, news conference to announce his signing with the twins on Wednesday. That wasn't necessarily huge news. We already knew that the bigger, maybe nugget that came from that was, uh, twins, uh, chief baseball officer, Derek Falvey acknowledging that quote, the heavy lifting is over in terms of roster construction this offseason and quote we've got a lot of our significant expenditures done but we are in conversations maybe with some ways to round out the roster or other potential fits at a lower dollar amount i think it's possible right now as you think about the twins to be both um happy or or encouraged by the moves they have made so far this year i, I think the the jay hap signing was a good one I think the Andrelton Simmons signing was a very good one. Um, I like, you know, I like some of the things they've done. I'm you know, bringing back Nelson Cruz, obviously. I think it's possible, though, to also simultaneously feel like it's not enough. I feel like there's still one really good pitcher away, and maybe that pitcher comes in June or July. Maybe it does become one of those young pitchers that emerges, like like Falvey was was saying also in the in today. By the way, bearded Falvey, um, loving the uh, loving the yacht rock uh, Derek Falvey look, but. You know, I, I'm I'm concerned that they're they're still a frontline starter away, and a lot of teams are. But if this is the same roster they carry into the postseason, more or less, especially the pitching staff, I just don't think it's going to be enough. That will do it for today. If you like what you hear, please download, subscribe, write a review, and always, always, always read Star Tribune at StarTribune.com. Tomorrow I will be joined by. Dennis Anderson, outdoors columnist and editor from the Star Tribune, for a great conversation about the Gunflint Trail. And uh, Randy Johnson, who covers hockey, uh, for a talk about Gophers men's hockey. Thanks again for listening to the Daily Delivery Podcast, and we'll talk to you again tomorrow.